0: Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, a really warm welcome to you. It's so good to be together. And a happy Father's Day, which is also the longest day of this year, which must mean something. Happy Father's Day uh, and welcome to all our regular members, to any visitors, to all our adults and children. A very warm welcome to Living Rock Church. It's so good to have you with us this morning. Uh, my name is david and it's my great joy to oversee the congregations uh, in the uk and in kenya and to provide apostolic direction and care and it's my equally great joy to share this morning on the theme of gospel encounters continuing our series now the last time i spoke on this uh, theme was at the beginning of may and On that occasion, we we read from John chapter two, John's gospel chapter two, the story of Jesus's first miracle, his first sign, where he transformed water into wine. And this morning, I want to take you right to the other end of John's gospel to chapter 20. And we're going to read uh, one of the last events of Jesus's earthly ministry. So please turn to John chapter 20 and we will read from verse 19. It says, in the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. And then Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace to you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But one of the twelve, Thomas, called Twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace to you. then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. And Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. It's a fantastic story, isn't it? And uh, I'd like to look with you this morning at four things that Jesus did on that day, on that evening that he also does for us today. And I pray that as we share, you will um, hear God's word and his heart to you. The, The first thing is that he came to them. Jesus came to them. Those first opening verses say, In the evening of that first day, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. And then Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. And having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. The message translation says they were exuberant. This story takes place in a locked room on a Sunday evening, two days after the crucifixion. And the remaining disciples are shut away because of their fear of further action by the Jewish authorities. There's a real sense of crisis, of turmoil. They're in a climate of fear and uncertainty, not knowing what might happen. And so they're locked in to stay as safe as they can. And of course, many of us uh, know how that might feel at this time. But Jesus comes amongst them. Jesus comes amongst them. The fact that they're locked in makes no difference to him. And um, I just want to say, if you you try and lock him out of your life, he will always find a way in. He can be with us wherever we are. um, And maybe it's a few months, perhaps, before we can uh, meet again and gather in the way that we used to. But the Lord will give us creative ways of gathering, of worshipping, of sharing, of teaching, encouraging, of praying, of equipping. And he's not limited by closed or locked doors or small rooms and he's not absent when we face challenging times and his power is not diminished in any way when we gather in homes or in small groups instead of all together. Jesus comes amongst them and his presence immediately brings the two things they most need that evening, that Sunday evening, at the end of what must have seemed a totally devastating weekend he comes first of all with peace so often his first words are peace because so often that is the one thing we most need and that phrase that word peace is is much more than a than a greeting or a salutation the the word uh, peace erene means uh, peace or quietness or rest or peace of mind or wholeness or harmony. It's, it, it has the sense of when, when all the parts are joined together to bring peace and harmony. And I just want to say, whoever you are and whatever you face, whether you're part of Living Rock Church or you're visiting with us this morning, Jesus wants you to know his peace. In these times of turmoil, of, of anger, hatred, racism, violence, insecurity and fear, he comes with peace. And his peace is beyond our understanding, but but it's a peace that joins all the parts together and and leaves us with a sense of wholeness and peace of mind. Jesus comes amongst them and, and the first thing he brings is peace. And he comes amongst us and brings peace into our lives and circumstances. And the second thing he comes with is proof. Proof that he's alive. Because whenever he's present, it is proof he's alive that he's conquered sin, that he's defeated death, that he's uh, he's he's risen from the grave and he's now ascended into his father's presence and sits at his right hand and he's poured out the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know he's alive, not as a theological concept, but as, a, but as an experienced reality. And if he's alive, then anything can happen. Everything is possible. When two or three gather, he's present. And it's always an invitation to to believe that all things are possible. So as this season is coming to an end, will come to an end, and another begins, and as we meet more frequently, as seems most likely from house to house, may we all know the thrill of anticipation of his powerful presence wherever and whenever we gather together. Now I know some people watching or listening will feel they really need his peace right now. just want to say it, it starts with yielding our lives to him. It starts with surrendering everything to him and letting him take the wheel, as it were, of our lives. And it continues as we grow in our dependence of him, as Chris shared with us a couple of weeks ago. I want to pray this morning that you will know him coming with peace today into your life. your situation. The second thing about this story, the second thing Jesus does which he also does with us today, is he sent them. Verse 21 says that Jesus said to them again, peace to you, as the Father has sent me so I also send you. And Suddenly in the midst of this gathering behind closed doors comes a vision or a foretaste of something so much bigger. Here are ten men wondering what could possibly happen next. And suddenly they're brought out of their fear and they're filled with peace, with wholeness, with harmony, and then given a commission that is truly mind-blowing. Just stop and listen to these ten words again. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now, John in his Gospel records many occasions where Jesus talks about being sent by his Father. The, the word is apostello, to send forth as a messenger, as a as a commissioned person, with an emphasis in this word, from which we get the word apostle, of a strong connection between the one who's sending and the one who's sent. So that the one who's sent really represents the one who sent them. It's almost as if the sender is present in the sending of the sent one. And Jesus's life and ministry were were framed and and defined and all in the context of a deep understanding that he was sent to do the will of his father. And now in just the same way, he's commissioning them to continue in all that he started. He's authorizing them to do greater works than him. He's passing on the baton and he's lifting them up out of their locked-in situation, and he's directing them to sign up to a mission that will take them way beyond that room, that house, that city, that nation that they're now in. Let's listen again and, and hear his word to you and me. As the Father sent me, so also I sent you. send you. Let's listen and hear the urgency of his words. As the Father sent me, so I send you. Let's listen again and let's decide whether we will sign up. As the Father sent me, I send you. I believe this season and the one that will come, that is coming, will be truly defining for the church and for our church in our time. How do we see ourselves? What's our focus? Do we care what's happening in the world? What matters most to us? Will we break out of our buildings? Will we be restricted by our surroundings? Will we move with urgency? Will we be held back by fear? Will we find ever more brilliant, creative ways of communicating our gospel? As the Father sent me, so I send you. How was Jesus sent? Well, without an office, without a stage, without an HQ, without a large admin overhead, but with a commission, with authority, with power, with vision, with purpose, full of grace and truth, full of love and compassion, with healing and wholeness. And now he sends us in just the same way. God so loved the world that he sent his son. The son sent his spirit, And now the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are sending the church into the world. In the middle of this locked room with with crisis and turmoil on the outside, with, with fear and uncertainty on the inside, Jesus comes with peace, with proof, and he commissions his followers to make disciples of all nations. He looks above and beyond their present situation and he commissions them for something so much bigger. And that's his purpose for us today. In this defining moment, let's ensure our church is defined not as people just surviving in this world, not as those trying to stay spiritual in secular surroundings, not as those who are scathing or cynical about the world, but as those knowing that we're sent into the world with authority, with power, with grace, with truth, with love and compassion to continue all that he started. We are sent people, part of an apostolic initiative to build beautiful churches together, to prepare a bride together, to fulfil our life's calling together. And the greatest thing we could do with our lives right now is to sign up with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, to love God, to love our neighbor to love the world, to love the lost, and to love our great commission. the third thing Jesus does is he breathes on them verses twenty two and twenty three tell us that after saying this, he breathed on them, and they and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit, if you forgive the sins of any." they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. It's a strange picture, but breath is the defining sign of life. When God formed the man in Genesis uh, chapter 2, it says he formed the man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and the man became a living being. When God needed an army, he commanded the prophet, prophet to prophesy breath into dry bones and ezekiel 37 tells us that the breath entered them and they came to life and now when he needs his church to take up their heavenly calling and commission and, and embrace their sending he breathes the life of his spirit into us and the holy spirit really loves the world he's always intent on moving us outwards And Jesus breathed his life into us so we can breathe it out as we go into all our worlds. We know that the Holy Spirit clothes us with power. We know that the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to make us witnesses. Jesus puts his breath in us, gives us his spirit, and now we can breathe out life, hope, peace in every conversation, in every communication we have, wherever we are. Let's be those, church, who exhale good things, who breathe out life. You know those tragic dying words, I can't breathe, will haunt a generation and become iconic of this present time of crisis and this day of definition. For they resonate on so many levels. A man being strangled by racial injustice, the poor and needy in our own nation, swamped by their problems and challenges, our brothers and sisters in Kenya, unable to get out today and earn tomorrow's food money, those oppressed uh, the world over, gasping for breath, and all those who are spiritually dead or dying, desperate for the fresh air of peace with God. Maybe it's true of you today. I can't breathe. I need air. I need space. I can't make sense of things. I feel trapped. It is the cry of so many people. And I want to ask myself and all of us, can we hear their cry? Can they find life with us? Can they come into our peace? Are we living filled with the life-giving breath of God? What are we exhaling? What are we breathing out? I was always fascinated as a boy with the, with the Amazon jungle and learned later that the great rainforests act as, as lungs to the world. I want to say you and I have to be like that. Lungs, sources of life, sources of breath to so many people around us. So Jesus came to them and he sent them and he breathed life into them and then He came back for one of them. Verses 26 to 28 say that after eight days, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, the message says he focused his attention on Thomas and said, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. And Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. It's almost identical to the first part of the story. It's a repetition. Jesus comes again into the locked room with a message of peace to prove he's alive. But this time he comes just for Thomas, who for some reason wasn't there the last time. And he comes back with his peace, with his proof, just for Thomas. Thomas is not the most prominent of the 12. He's not at the forefront of the action as far as we can tell. He's not a Peter, a James or a John. He didn't write an epistle like Matthew, like John. But he was there all the time. And he'd been with Jesus three years. And he loved him. And the other references to him in John's Gospel show us that he sincerely wanted to follow Jesus faithfully. Thomas was devastated by Jesus' death and he needed to know for himself that Jesus really was alive. Thomas wasn't a pushover, he had his own convictions and Jesus was okay with that. He doesn't berate Thomas for a lack of faith, he simply gives him what he knows he needs and longs for proof and peace. Why? Because Jesus didn't want him to be left behind. Jesus didn't want Thomas to be held back because of his earlier absence. The good shepherd comes back for this good man because he wanted him to be a believer and he wanted him to take up the commission and he wanted him to fulfill the destiny he'd planned for him. And the apostle Thomas went on to carry the gospel to India Until he was killed 40 years later. What a legacy. Jesus knew Thomas was struggling because he'd been absent when he'd first appeared, and he knew exactly what what Thomas had asked for. And I think Jesus knew that Thomas was going to be absent even before he made that first appearance. I think he planned it that way so that he would need to return, so that Thomas would know without any doubt that Jesus was alive and cared for him personally and individually so that Thomas would carry those deep convictions to India and set a nation and a continent ablaze. Maybe you have some doubts. Maybe you've got friends who tell you Jesus is alive but you need your own proof. That's okay. Jesus meets us where we're at. I believe he's heard your prayers, your cries, your requests, your longings. I believe he will help you to take your step of faith and he will show you the amazing plan he has for your life. Maybe you've been absent from the things of God for some time. You've been absent and you feel you've missed the moment and you've seen others running ahead and now you long to catch up and get involved again. want to say Jesus is here for you today and it's time to sign up. In these defining days, it's time to sign up, to come back, to look Jesus in the eye and respond like Thomas, my Lord and my God. In that room, Jesus came to them and then he sent them and he breathed resurrection life into them, and then he came back to ensure they were all included. I believe that's his heart and his burden for us today. This season is coming to an end, and the next season will soon be upon us. These are defining times, and um, I really believe things will move quickly. Let's be assured that Jesus is amongst us as we gather in small or larger groups Let's embrace our sending as part of an apostolic mission. Let's inhale his life so that we can carry and spread it and exhale it into all our worlds. And let's make sure we're all included. It's time to get ready. It's time to to sign up during this lockdown to sign up to Jesus, sign up to his mission, sign up to his church. Possibly perhaps this is, this is a, time, a time to sign up to this church if you're feeling joined with us. As always, our prayer is that God would bless you and we invite you to get in touch with us if we can help you in any way. May you know his peace. May you know the proof that he's alive. May you enjoy his presence. May you enjoy his breath, his life in you. May you be powerfully used in exhaling and being part of his apostolic mission. Thank you so much for being with us today. God bless you. Amen.
1: Thanks for joining
0: us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.